Thank you, ladies. Beautiful job. Merry Christmas. So glad to see you this evening. Thank you for coming. Tonight we're going to celebrate communion. It always seems strange in a way to celebrate the death of Christ on the eve of the day in which we celebrate his birth. Does it take away from the joy associated with celebrating his birth to remember why he came? No, of course not. It's worthy of note that while believers are commanded to remember his sacrificial death, there is no such command to remember his birth. Now, before you jump to conclusions, I'm not saying there's anything wrong or improper in celebrating his birth. Yet as we celebrate Christmas, we should never forget the main purpose of his coming was to go to the cross. The issue of Christmas is not so much that Jesus came, but why Jesus came. I want to challenge you tonight to remember just a couple of things. First of all, his life, although flawless and without sin, could not save us. There is no salvation through his sinless life, although it did make him capable of being our substitute. If he had had one sin of his own, he could not have been your sin bearer. Secondly, his teachings, which were without equal, could not save us from our sins. Jesus is the greatest teacher ever in the history of this world. No, per, no other person even comes close to the power and influence of the teachings of Jesus Christ. When Jesus had finished giving the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew tells us that the crowds were amazed. The concepts that he taught were revolutionary for the people who lived at that time on the earth, and they continue to be revolutionary today. Yet as great as his teachings were, they by themselves will save no one. Even by adhering completely to the principles on the Sermon on the Mount, one cannot be saved. In Scripture, it's clear that the death of Jesus was in view from the very earliest part of his existence in human form. It was a part of the divine purpose and plan for him from the beginning. We have a hint of the cross in the words of the aged Simeon to Mary when Jesus' earthly parents took him to the temple to be dedicated to God as an infant. There they encountered an elderly man named Simeon. Against the backdrop of the magnificent temple, Simeon reached out and takes the baby in his arms. He praises God for this gift to the world. This old man's eyes, although dimmed by the passage of time, yet are not too dim to see that in this baby is the salvation that God has promised for his people. Yet in spite of his obvious joy, when Simeon speaks to Mary, his words have an ominous ring. In Luke chapter 2 and verses 34 and 35, he says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which we've spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What strange words to give on the occasion of the birth of a child. 
Simeon speaks of opposition, of falling and rising, and of rejection and suffering. As strange as it may sound, Simeon is only speaking the truth that Jesus really was born to die. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.20 that Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world for the very task of the redemption of mankind. His purpose for taking on human form was so that he could become our sin substitute. Jesus came to the earth voluntarily and as our substitute he took our place and bore our sins. The fact remains that we celebrated birth because of who he was and what he came to do. The same baby whose birth we are going to celebrate tomorrow on Christmas Day has become the Savior and Redeemer through his death on the cross. John the Baptist introduced the public ministry of Jesus by proclaiming the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's reference to Jesus as the Lamb of God calls us to remember the sacrificial system that was in place at that time. In the sacrifice for sin, God accepted the blood of animals as a means of atonement for sin. Thus, this vivid description of Jesus was a pointed announcement of the atonement that Jesus would bring on the behalf of mankind. Scripture says in Hebrews 9.22, And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The writer of Hebrews explains that it is through the death of sacrifices in the temple, they were only a shadow of the reality that was to come. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place, once for all having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. This once for all time sacrifice was the complete fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial offerings for sin. He was the sin offering of Leviticus chapter 4. He was the trespass offering of Leviticus chapter 5. He was the offering on the day of atonement of Leviticus chapter 16. He was the Passover offering of the Exodus chapter 12. When Jesus as God's lamb was born and died for the sins of the world, the centuries-old practice of sacrificing lambs for sin could end. Because according to Hebrews 9.26, Jesus made a once-for-all-time sacrifice for sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived a sinless life and was therefore qualified to pay the penalty for sins of mankind. He paid it all. But all is, <clears throat> do not benefit from this wonderful gift that we celebrate at Christmas. Now listen carefully. 
to what I'm about to say, I don't want you to misunderstand me. As important as the shedding of blood is, the shedding of blood alone cannot save. In order to understand what I mean, you have to think in terms of the Passover observance. It was not the shedding of the blood of the lamb alone that averted death. The blood had to be applied by faith to the doorpost. So too with the sacrifice of Jesus. We must receive what he is offering. In John chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 we read, He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. The point is this. God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. Religion always asks the question, what must I do to get God to accept me? But Jesus invites us to trust in what he has already done. I think it is fitting in this last service before we celebrate the birth of Christ that we remember why he came. Yes, as we celebrate that he came, most of all, we need to celebrate why he came. Jesus was born, taking on human form in order that he might bear your sin and my sin on the cross of Calvary. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we enter into the Christmas celebration tomorrow, and as joyful as it is, that we remember the reason we have joy, and that's because we know that we have a Savior. Father, if there's one here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray right here, right now, they might make a decision to accept what Jesus did for them on the cross. Help them to understand it's not a complicated thing, that all they must do is recognize that they are sinners. Agree with you about sin, that is, repent of their sins. Recognize that those sins cause a separation between a holy God and themselves. And help them to understand that that payment that Jesus made on the cross was for them. And all they must do now is accept that and they will be saved. Father, thank you for the joyful time that we have to celebrate. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.